0: Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Henderson MB Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information on our church, visit hendersonmbchurch.com. probably know this last week, I was in Phoenix on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for a study conference. And um, some of you asked about the weather. The weather was very nice down there, much better than than what we had here. Uh, In the morning, as I walked from my hotel room to the conference room, it was very nice weather. And after dark, when I walked from the conference room to my hotel room, it was, again, very nice weather. So uh, they have nice weather there in Phoenix. So all the rumors are true. Um, very good study conference the 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 title of the study conference uh, was uh, women in ministry and um, you know there there are some passages in the bible uh, that are um, can be a little bit hard hard to interpret I mean at every age every culture every people group is going to find some part of scripture awkward or uncomfortable or kind of have a hard time wrestling with it and um, for us definitely some of Paul's words about leadership in the church and is that reserve is some of that leadership reserved for men only or is it are all positions open uh, to men and women and what does that look like and so we had a study conference uh, around that and um, it was very well uh, organized they brought in very high level scholars uh, I mean some of the best in the business um, you, you know they, they were not just MB scholars. I mean, the, the, these were scholars that, that were known on the national level. Um, we had talks on uh, the historical overview and how New Testament has dealt with controversy, uh, an overview of the issues. Um, we we heard from the complementarian perspective. We heard from the egalitarian perspective. We heard an, uh, an alternative uh, perspective. We heard from international brothers and sisters on what this has looked like. Uh, lots of sharing and conversation and that kind of thing. Um, nothing was decided. This was not a time to decide. That was um, clear from the beginning. Um, any decisions like this are actually uh, decided at the uh, national conference, and all churches vote on it together. Uh, but it was it was great. And so uh, a lot of information. And, and so if you really want all the nuanced details of complementarian versus egalitarian uh, you have about a week before I start forgetting things so um ask ask me soon uh but boy there there was a lot and uh and very interesting it really helped me understand both sides and even just become even more comfortable in just my own understanding of scripture, what I believe why I believe uh that kind of thing and and really even just um more confident of of where our denomination uh stands on this is um, is 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 yeah just a a good place so and you know for uh, it it is it is kind of a a contentious issue the you know at the surface the title was, was you know women in ministry but below it very there is very much a conversation on how do we handle the difficult parts of scripture and everything from we take it super literal like we don't let other verses refine it or shape it we just go to the most literal possible to you know the other side that'd be like meh cultural doesn't apply to us just tuck it you know and then a whole massive sliding scale in between and um so there's there's a lot of stuff but just how do we handle that um this was not why i went but this was a rich reason or or, or some a, a rich thing that i did experience and that was simply the connections uh connecting with other people while i was there i mean Honestly, we're not that big of a denomination, and so uh, after a few of these national gatherings, you you start to recognize people once again, and so that was wonderful. Um, One of the ways that I am privileged to serve is that I get to sit on our U.S. National Board, and so we had an additional meeting time. We'd meet for breakfast at 7, and on the one morning, we heard from Rudy Plett. Rudy serves as—he's from Paraguay. He is the director of ICOM, the International Community of Mennonite Brethren Churches, So, all around the world, there's about 20, I think it's 27, um, uh, 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 like, other MB denominations, established conference denominations around the world, and he provides some leadership to that, so, and we know some of the the same people, so I was able to do breakfast with him. That was really neat, and uh, there's actually some stuff on ICOM on the back bulletin board kind of in the left corner, and Rudy's picture is even there. So, um, the next morning, got to do uh, breakfast with Cesar Garcia out of Colombia, And he is with Mennonite World Mission. So if you kind of go the the next step out. With just anyone that has any kind of Mennonite connection. There are 107 Mennonite denominations around the world. And the United States Mennonite Brethren denomination is one of those. So we're one of 107. And so I got to do breakfast with him. And hear from him a little bit more. And that was fantastic. Um, You know and even just people with our within our own conference different pastors from the central district were there had a great time with them of course rick Eshbaugh, who is our district minister all the other district ministers were there uh people from the seminary jules glanzer from tabor college was there um finally got a chance to connect with with tom uh fr- out of the uh, Hillsboro church uh jason queering had met with him and and about four times in the conversation, he's like, man, you really got to connect with, with Luke and with Henderson and Bea. Uh Tom just has a, a lot of kind of neat, similar ideas around connecting with greenhouse and, and you know, uh, church planning and, and rural. Uh, Locations and that kind of thing Uh, one day sat next to Janae Rempel She works for the Christian leader They're wanting to do an article on the Christmas in the barn event that we just did And so I've been dialoguing with her and sending her photos and and that kind of thing So keep your eye out in the Christian leader for the the Christmas in the barn event. I don't know if it's front page I don't know if it's like back page three lines like between the sponsors, you know, like what always happened, you know, like with the high school yearbook you know, they always put, you know, some company back there. But anyways, so I, I'm not sure how much print space, but they are doing uh, an article. One of them, there was a guy, and I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. Why Why do I? I know him, but I can't place it. So he flagged me down. So it, it was Gary and Sharon Simpson. Sharon Simpson now serves as the moderator for the entire Canadian MB conference, and they were there. But back in the day, their daughter Kate did Trek. So I knew him you know, from but I wasn't expecting anyone from Chilliwack, BC to be showing up at this. You know, so had a, a great time connecting with with them again. Uh, people from MB Mission or not MB. What do we call it now? Multiply that that thing. Um, uh, Rick uh, or no uh, Chris Douglas, who we had as our speaker, uh, spent the better part of Tuesday uh, at a table with him. And you know, as a Canadian conference, they went through this about ten fifteen years ago. So to hear their perspective. Um, it was encouraging, they, a, a couple of the Canadians said, th- the, the conversation here is actually more civil than what we experienced in Canada. And when you're, like, more polite than the Canadians, like, wow, okay, um, so that's, that, yeah, that was, that was just kind of neat. And, uh, so anyway, so the, yeah, the, the connections were just fantastic, um, one of the, the and, and someday I, I need to do a, a sermon on this, but we're not, we're not going to do that today. Um, I, I, I will read to you the, the current policy. At one point, though, someone shared this, and this is very, very true. Before you can really launch into kind of the, the controversial stuff, you really need to start off with what are the settled issues? Like, regardless on, on, on how you stand on this, what is it that we all agree on? And really, you have to have a good foundation on that. Before you can move forward. So what, is, what are the settled issues? What do we absolutely agree on? That both men and women are equal image bearers of God. That both men and women possess a sin nature. No elbow in your spouse. Both men and women are gifted by the spirit regardless of gender. I'm not aware of any spiritual gifting that is only for one particular gender. Sin does impact gender relationships. That Jesus affirmed women in a countercultural manner. That both men and women have equal access to salvation and have equal standing before God. So everyone's agreed on that. Those are the non negotiables, and if I ever do a talk on this, I'll, I'll probably need to, to do some preliminary teaching on that. That said, just I kind of, if you were uh, curious, the, the current policy, this is from a a 1999 resolution uh, that, that was adopted by the USMB Conference, and it reads like this, that women be encouraged to minister in the church in every function other than the lead pastorate. The church is to invite women to exercise leadership on conference boards, in pastoral staff positions, and in our congregations, institutions, and agencies. We ask women to minister as gifted, called, and affirmed. We call the church to be increasingly alert to the gifts of women and to become more active in calling them to minister. We further call people in the spirit of Christ to relate to one another in mutual respect as brothers and sisters in Christ. So that, that was the policy that, that was adopted in, in 1999 and... Um, Yeah, and if you want the technical term for that, that would be what would be called a soft complementarian position. But I don't bore you with that. So anyways, so that was Phoenix. Great time. Good stuff. Uh, If you want more details, uh, buy me coffee, and I will bore you to death. So, Genesis. We are starting a sermon series on Genesis. Um, I've been wondering about Genesis for a long time. Um, but honestly have been nervous about it just because, frankly, it's really intimidating. Uh, Genesis, to me, is kind of like Revelation in that there is so much jam-packed into it that that to just kind of dive in prematurely really doesn't do it justice. And and in the same way, I I think Genesis and Revelation, the more you understand of the New Testament and the more you understand of the Gospel and all of the other books of the Bible— Really, you begin to see more and more and more and more in Genesis and in revelation, and so they are super intimidating books because it just it feels like you you have to have this massive uh a, a background knowledge to 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 pick up on everything but yet at the same time, Genesis actually serves as a foundation for how we see the rest of the bible so um so, Genesis is, is both exciting and terrifying. Um, the plan for right now is to only cover Genesis 1 to 11. Uh, maybe once we finish it, we figure this is so good and we'll do the next twelve to chapters 12 to 50. I haven't decided on that. But for right now, Genesis 1 to 11, because there's a very natural break that happens between chapter 11 and chapter 12. In Genesis 1 to 11... You're really dealing with all of mankind, all of humanity. In Genesis 12, Abraham happens. And so from Genesis 12 to Genesis 50, really the storyline or the narrative really focuses in on. The whole kind of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the, the, the people of Israel. And it really focuses in more on a particular person, on a particular storyline, and, and, the, whole, and the, the Israelites and that story. Whereas those first 11 chapters are really dealing with kind of all of humanity. And so just in the storyline, there, there's, there's kind of a, a natural break between 1 to 11 and, uh, and the rest of the book. So that's the plan for right now. Genesis is part of what's called the Pentateuch. Uh, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. It means one book and five parts. So that would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All are believed to be written by Moses. Some of the scholars like to debate that. They say, well, we're not really sure, and it looks like multiple scholars and, or authors because different words and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, Jesus said Moses wrote it, so I'm just going to stick with that. Um, So I believe Moses wrote it because Jesus said so, and he was probably there. So sticking with that one. Genesis covers a huge mass of of span time. Um, The entire book of Genesis really covers about 2,000 years of human history. And that's a lot for a comparatively small book, 2,000 2000 years. Um, Moses writes... um, M- Moses writes all of this. He writes it roughly 1,400 years before Christ. So you and I are about 3,400 years, 3,400 years removed from when this book was authored. And it, I mean, that's just when Moses wrote it. Obviously, it, the, the, the storyline goes well beyond that. But from when Moses wrote this 3,400 years ago, roughly... To today, it is amazing at how much it still speaks to today. And that's one of the things that does ex- excite me about this is because you have these timeless truths and, and these timeless pillars, but yet the way they correlate to today's issue, like it's just the same thing with a different face. I mean, it's it's timeless, timeless issues. So Genesis is, just covers a, a huge span of time. Because of that, Genesis covered, because it covers so much history, it actually doesn't give us a lot of detail. It, in some sections, it moves very fast. And if it does share a story, it's very intentional on, on, on what story it shares, right? I mean, for every story it shares, it probably skips another thousand other stories. So, um, and it's just, it's, it's really packed dense. In Genesis 1 to 11, some of the major stories that we're going to see are creation. Adam and Eve. Uh, We're going to see when Adam and Eve sin and and they open up the world to sin. That is something that we have nicknamed the fall. Um, We're going to read about Cain and Abel, right? So there's four people on the earth and one of them kills the other one. Just move, you know. Um, But anyways, uh, we're going to read about Noah and the flood and we're going to read about uh, the Tower of Babel. So those are kind of some of the, the big line stories. And like I said, understanding the rest of Scripture really does help us understand this. Um, Rick Bartek, who, who many of you know, he, he's the associate pastor over at Stockholm. Uh, he has told me multiple times, he goes, If I could only preach on one section of Scripture for the rest of my life, I would go Genesis 1 to 11. Because it's all there. It, it's all there. Now, granted, that's from an understanding of through the lens of the New Testament. But once you do have that understanding to really understand the fullness of what's happening... Um, it, it's all there. Some guy said this, and, and I, I couldn't find it who, but I was Googling and I couldn't figure it out. Um, but Genesis 1-1, this person called Genesis 1-1, the most pregnant verse in all of Scripture. Because there's just so much that is about to happen, but but hasn't quite happened. And, and we're going to look at that in, in just a minute. Cultural issues that I could tie back to Genesis 1-11. to Origin of the universe, creation, evolution versus evolution, Uh, a lot of stuff on other religions, human dignity, gender, gender identity, gender fluidity, marriage, godly male leadership in the home, healthy male leadership versus dangerous male leadership on the same side, um, uh, both feminism that is good, but also feminism that seeks to usurp authority and pull down rather than lift up. Sin, deception, the spiritual realm, spiritual warfare, heritage, seed. You, I mean, you could do a whole sermon on just the theme of seed in the first couple bits. Fascinating stuff on that one. Um, the promise of a redeemer, stewardship of the earth, environmental concerns, greed, murder, abuse, war, immorality, oppression, the wrath of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God, the presence of God. You know, that's just kind of what I could come up with in like five, six minutes. I mean, these concepts are, are timeless. Go home and read Genesis, and then read your newspaper, and then watch the news. And you'll think, yep, same stuff. We're just on a massive repeat cycle over and over. In the original Hebrew, some of you like numbers. I'm going to make you very happy here. Um, In the original Hebrew, the very first verse, the opening sentence, has seven words. Now, typically, we wouldn't think much of that, um, but we do know that seven is a significant number throughout the rest of Scripture. And so it just kind of piques the curiosity and goes, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder if there are other patterns of seven in the opening bit of Genesis. Well, we have the seven days of creation. That's an easy one. But did you also know that the first verse in Hebrew contains seven words? The second verse in Hebrew contains 14 words, two times seven. The earth, uh, the word earth occurs 21 times, which is three times seven, the heavens or the firmament occurs 21 times, which is 3 times 7. The seventh paragraph has 35 words, which is 5 times 7. God appears 35 times, which is 5 times 7. It was so occurs 7 times, and God saw occurs 7 times. In fact, Ivan Panin analyzed the text on the first verse, Genesis 1 1, looking for patterns of seven in Genesis 1 1. He found 30 separate sets of seven in the first verse. The number three, that's another kind of uh, a significant number, any threes. Barah, which is kind of the driving word around creation, not only does it occur three times, but the third time that it occurs, it's used three times to emphasize that third moment of creation. Um, We see a poem with three lines. We also see in the very beginning... How God has this three-in-oneness because in the opening lines of creation, we see a God who creates, we see a God who is spirit, and we see a God who is word. And John is going to tell us that Jesus Christ is the word of God. And so in the opening lines of Jesus, we see God the creator, God the spirit, and God the word. And so already we have hints of the Trinity in the first few verses of Genesis. Using the New Testament lens, we can be like, oh yeah, Trinity, right there. Genesis, that's like, I, I, I think we're like in the first two verses. So the next logical question, are there any tens? To make occurs ten times, according to their kind occurs ten times, and God said occurs ten times, three times in relationship to people, seven times in relation to other creations, let there be occurs ten times, three things for things in heaven, and seven times for things on earth. And as one guy so wisely commented, you begin to think that the author had help. Opening line, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. Um, In the Hebrew, what we read is, in the beginning, the, the word for God is Elohim. Throughout Genesis, we have a couple different words for, for God. One is Elohim. That is a more generic word for God. And at other times, you're going to read either Yahweh or Jehovah. And that is a more personal, like that is the, the name of God. Elohim is just kind of a, you, you could almost apply that to any God, but Yahweh is God's name. And whenever it uses Yahweh, you the, the cues on that are your scriptures that Lord is spelled out in all capital letters. So if you've ever read the Old Testament and you're like, the capitalized all of Lord. Like, is that a typo? What is that? No, that's the, the translators giving you a little cue that this is, that this is Yahweh. What's interesting, and, and I've not confirmed this, but according to one of my sources, whenever, whenever the authors of Genesis write about God as it pertains to, like, all of mankind or, or all of creation or just kind of the whole world, they stick with the generic name of God, Elohim. But when the author of Genesis, or when Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this, when he's speaking of God's relationship to the people that he loves, he uses his personal name. Then he refers to himself as Yahweh or Jehovah. And and you and I do this all the time, right? Like if you don't know someone, you use a formal name. You're like Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, that kind of thing. Unless you know them. And then it's like, hi, Bob. You know, we we see that that same pattern. In the beginning, God created. Atheism atheism says there is no God. But from this verse, atheism can't be true because we have God. Agnosticism says that whether or not God is real cannot be known... But again, we see God named, God is identified, so we can rule out agnosticism. Many forms of evolution say that the world came about accidentally or or haphazardly, and there's almost a religious component connected with evolution. But here we see that the world was created specifically and intentionally by this greater power. And so um, certain forms of evolution are immediately ruled out. Dualism says that there are two competing forces of, of equal force that are, are in this kind of perpetual battle and we don't know who wins and yet we see God creating and that God has no equal and there is no force that can compete with God. So dualism is ruled out. Materialism says that all that exists is the material. Though it, There is no spiritual, it's just what you can see, touch, smell. Only those things are real and yet here we see the spiritual. This, this verse tells us that all the material was created by God. So we can rule out materialism. Polytheism says that there are multiple gods and God's parents and God's children and, and that kind of thing. Um, but again, we see that everything was created by God. So, and this one God. So we can rule out polytheism. Extentialism is the idea that man wills and determines his own reality... But we can rule that out because, again, we, we see this God, that this creator who creates everything and is above and over everything. Hedonism and capitalistic materialism are invalid because pleasure must now be evaluated against the person of God. Pleasure and wealth um, may not be seen as good and right if they are selfish and indulgent. And so, again, we can rule that out based on this. Pantheism says that the universe is God. But we see that the universe is not God. The universe was created by God. And even some versions of panantheism, which is there's a difference between pantheism and panantheism, there's a little EN in there, some versions of that are ruled out because God is once again over all creation. So in four words, we just wiped out about a dozen false teachings. All because, in the beginning, God created. I'm not normally a grammar guy, but, but I have really been loving the word for created. The the word for created is bara. It's a very unique, special word. Uh, in so in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, Elohim bara. Um, bara means to create, but it but it, it's a very forceful, powerful word. It, it means to create out of nothing. Um, it is used very sparingly in the Old Testament. And it is, it is really only used when we talk about God making something out of nothing. But it also carries this connotation that when it was made, it was, it was absolutely effortless by the Creator to make it. And we will see this later, or actually right away, but you know, when God created the heavens and the earth. okay? So uh, God creates the heavens and the earth. Um, and then in all these other things, you know, God said, let it be so, and it was so, and, and so we see this. The stars, the universe, the galaxies spread out over millions of light years all over the place, have existence because God exhaled and kind of moved his lips a little bit when he did it. And so we have all these galaxies and universes. Google Hubble Telescope look at the pictures of the universe that the Hubble telescope has sent back to us and then think, huh, that's because God exhaled and moved his lips. In the creation account, Barah only occurs three times. The third time that it's used, it's used as a triplet. So we use it three times. The very first time that the word Barah happens is opening verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, Elohim Barah. So he creates the, the heavens and the earth. Over the next several days, according to the creation account, God basically organizes things. He tidies up. He's separating land and water and moving things around and putting stuff in motion and plants, vegetation, and all of that other kind of stuff. The second time... Barah is used Is verse 21 So God created God Bara, The great sea creatures Every living creature that moves uh, With which the waters swarm According to their kinds Every single winged bird According to its ta- kind And God saw that it was good So God needs animals and reptiles And, and birds and fish And so God Barah All the wildlife Anyone want to take a guess on the third time that he uses Barah? Verse 27, we, we see a triplet used. So God created, God Barah, man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So this third time that, that Genesis uses this very special word, it's used as a triplet, which again, we understand from threes that three can be a sign of perfection. So there's this perfection creation that happens as God creates male and female, as God creates you and I. In the beginning, God, bara, and you and I were his crowning achievement in all creation. So we're... Five words in, and we've ruled out a dozen false religion. We've spoken volumes on the character and the ability of God, and we've spoken volumes as to your special place in all of his creation. One of the other things that that happens in this, looking ahead a little bit. But in creation, we, we see this interaction between a spiritual being who creates a physical universe. Now we know from other verses God created the angels, so we also know that God created uh, things in, in the angelic realm as well too. But here really it, it, it's reserved to a spiritual being creating a, a physical universe. And, and day one, and day two, and day three, and day four, God is creating this, this physical universe, this interaction between the spiritual and the physical, but there is always a distinction between the two. Always it is spiritual God creating physical universe. Day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, and then day 6. Where God forms man out of the the dust of the earth. And he breathes into him the breath of life. When, When Adam is created, something completely different happens. Adam and Eve are the only thing the only thing in all of creation that has ever been created that is a combination of both physical and spiritual. It really is kind of this this pinnacle moment where these two realms meet where it's not just that God creates the physical but he creates the physical and he breathes into it the spiritual. You and I are the only thing created by God that is 100% physical and 100% spiritual. No other creation has that duality. This should speak volumes, volumes to you on how special you are, on how special the creation you are, your unique Place in creation, and even how much you are valued. I mean, when 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 the, the the script alone, just by its grammatical layout, indicates that you are the perfection of creation and the only thing to be a combination of one hundred percent physical and one hundred percent spiritual. I mean, not even the angels uh, have that. As we prepare to go through Genesis, I I hope you see it for the the literary genius that it is. I mean, it is good writing. There are layers upon layers of brilliance and insight, and we won't be able to hit all of it. Uh, I hope you see the foundation that it lays in helping you and I to understand the rest of Scripture. I mean, this is going to be—the foundations in this really do help us understand a lot of uh, the other parts of the Bible. I hope you see the way that it glorifies God. Uh, the way that we can understand the beauty and the nature of God better. But I also hope you see how important you are to God. I mean, uh, later on, we're going to see how we messed it up, and we're going to see cues of how he redeemed it all. But from from the beginning, your value and your worth to him are really inexpressible and unmeasurable. So, amen. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we will... Uh, We'll finish up, and then you're dismissed. Heavenly Father, as we prepare to look through Genesis, Lord, we just say that we do need your insight. We believe that you authored it. We believe that it's uh, perfect, that it was all inspired by you, Lord, but it is dense. And we believe that there's so much fantastic truth in Genesis. And so as we prepare to go through this book, Lord, we just ask for your insight and for your understanding and to be led by your Holy Spirit And that, Lord, that this will change and alter how we live and how we think and how we view you and how we understand ourselves and and our relationship to you. God, we don't even begin to understand the magnitude of what you did at creation. And, And we don't even honestly begin to understand the magnitude of what you did when you created us and even to what extent you love us and that we are valued by you how much you are desperate for a restored relationship with us and and we goofed it up we admit we were the ones who who let sin in and kind of got ourselves into a, a tough place but you came and redeemed that and that message is all foretold in Genesis and so we look forward to learning more about that Jesus we love you we love you, we worship you we adore you And we want to spend our lives honoring you. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at hendersonmbchurch.com or email me directly at luke at hendersonmbchurch.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.